Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 517 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever and coming up on the show. We'll have music from Sam Lambeth. He has spent 10 years on four chords. That is a celebration that's on the way. We'll be talking all about the gigs and the CD and music download that you can get that ties in with all of that. Also, we'll be finding out about Orlando, which is at the Stafford Gatehouse, talking to the entire cast of this one-woman show. That's coming up. Also, we'll be having a, a chat with the team from Warsaw Operatic Society. They have Hello Dolly at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre in June, so we'll be catching up with them. But first of all, Birmingham Royal Ballet bring Peter and the Wolf and Seasons in Our World to Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre on the 24th and 25th of May. To tell us more about this amazing spectacle that's been brought to the stage of the Grand Theatre, I'm joined now by choreographer Ruth Brill. Hello. Hi, hi. How are we doing? Very good, thank you. Very, very good. So uh, this is going to be a big event. Tell us a bit about what is actually happening, because this is, uh, uh, for me, I mean, Peter and the Wolf is something that we, we did at school and we listened to a record and it was all about the oboe and what noises and which animals were which. But uh, it, the, the story itself is just absolutely stunning, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's such a well-known um, kind of story and well-known score by Prokofiev. And I think we've, you know, we're, we're remaining true to that, but we're also giving it a bit of a modern twist by setting it in an urban setting. So I think kind of, you know, really kind of bringing it up to date and bringing it to a new group of people. Um, and Birmingham Royal Ballet are coming and we're touring around presenting Peter and the Wolf and also a new ballet seasons in our world. And as I say, Peter and the Wolf is the second half of this double bill program um, that I've choreographed and it's great fun it's a bit different it's probably not what you'd expect a ballet to be in Uh many ways there's certainly no tutus anywhere (laughs) Um, and it's great fun and I think the fact it has narration great music um, and some kind of modern ballet based but a bit different as well choreography you know characters that really enjoyable for the audience to watch it's a good one for all sorts of um, fans you know whether it's your first ballet or whether it's you've been to many many things before i think it's something for everyone i think if it's your first ballet this is going to absolutely spoil you though <laughs> well hopefully hopefully it'll make you want to come back and you know see more of birmingham royal ballet or yeah, other shows in the future. Hopefully it's a good way in that you haven't seen ballet before. <laughs> so you've got the 7.30 show on Friday the 24th. There's a 2.30 on Saturday the 25th and a 7.15 as well that evening. And so how does the show split out with Peter and the Wolf and Seasons in Our World? So Seasons in Our World makes up the first part of the programme. So that, that happens first and that's, you know, um, a kind of much more um, classical kind of showing and it's got a new score as well, which is really exciting. And it's been put to, the choreography has been put together by three choreographers in the company. Kit Holder, Laura Day and Lachlan Monaghan, they've all done a different section. And then the second part of the programme is, as I say, my Peter and the Wolf, um, which kind of, you know, sends the audience out kind of in high spirits, hopefully. And <laughs> go, we go out with a bang. And the Saturday evening as well is a gala performance too. And you've got Nick Owen opening that. Of course, we know him from TV. Uh, but also there is Birmingham Royal Ballet's artistic director, David Bintley. And this is actually one of his final appearances before stepping down after 20 years. Yeah, so our, our director, David Bintley, is, yeah, he is, he is leaving at the end of the season. Um, but I think this last push of this, current season is you know really a celebration of him and 
certainly personally I have a lot to thank him for um, both in terms of the roles I've been able to dance in his ballet but also the fact that he is a choreographer himself and he believes in nurturing new talent so that's why you know he's given these opportunities certainly to myself and, and to the other choreographers to create new work because you know you can say I want to be a choreographer but it's not until the opportunity is, is provided for you that you can really prove yourself um, and it's an amazing thing to create a whole new work from absolutely nothing mm -hmm. to you know he, he he was the one that did commission me to make Peter and the Wolf um, so obviously I had the the music and the story to go from but other than that, you know, it was up to me to take the creative team and, you know, all the, all the people I've collaborated with, like designer um, called Spike Kilburn and lighting designer Peter Tigan. We've all worked together um, and to go on a journey with a piece and really bring this new production that you, you've created yourself. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great journey to go on. And, yeah, as I say, it's really thanks to David Bintley for giving giving the chance and believing that new work is important um, and, you know, that someone like me is worth taking a risk on. I think with your talent, it's not really a risk, to be fair. But, I mean, the dancers <laughs> you got there as well helped to build this massive talent pool. And uh, how did you select who was taking each role in this? Was it a, a due audition within the company? Well, I think, obviously, because I'm also a dancer here as well, um, that's in a way a great advantage because I know everyone inside out I know how people dance what their strengths are like what their kind of abilities are so you know I was very lucky in that I got to choose my cast I had complete freedom to choose um, sometimes we were working against other things that are being created at the same time so there's a bit of give and take but yeah I was allowed to uh, kind of have free reign really and which is great because like you know I always had certain people in mind and that's something really exciting about the journey as well is seeing the dancers bring their own interpretations to the role because we have two different casts of people. So um, within within the production, you know, people do kind of do things in different ways, uh -huh. even if the steps are the same, they have their own interpretation of roles. And that's a really rewarding part of the journey as well. And obviously I rely on the dancers as well to have their input and to take ownership of what it is that they're performing yeah a good choreographer will never try and make somebody do something that they can't do uh, but uh, <laughs> equally you you know if you know how they're going to shine you can really build on that with the moves that you give them exactly and i know as a dancer how it feels you know you want to get out there and and kind of enjoy what you're doing and feel that this is me this is me giving my interpretation of this choreography or this role i think that really the audience feels that, you know, when someone feels ownership of what they're doing. I, Yeah, certainly for me as a dancer, that's really important. So I hope that I've kind of passed that on through my choreography to the people I've worked with. And there are some amazing images uh, on the Grand's website, sort of as you look at the start of the process, building this in the rehearsal room, and you've got scaffolding in a rehearsal. Is that the first time you've ever seen that sort of thing at the Birmingham Royal Ballet? <laughs> Well, I think certainly, and I, I, you know, it's not kind of the normal thing to have a big scaffolding tower at the back of a production, but I think we've, um, as I say, we've really gone with this urban setting and, you know, I very much created the choreography for this set, so it was really important that we did have it with us in the studio to kind of climb on and work out how we could 
swing off it and how we can climb from one level to the other and working with the rope because that's how the wolf gets captured. So yeah, lots of lots of playing and experimenting. But yes, as I say, we've had a huge scaffolding tower at Birmingham Valley Studios, um, which again is not normally what you'd expect. And and with the trail that you filmed as well, did you get a few funny looks around the city as you were doing that sort of stuff? <laughs> We had great fun. So, yeah, we went to the custom factory in Digbeth where there's kind of, you know, big open concrete space with graffiti and different things. So we took some of the dancers out there to dance around on the concrete and, you know, get some great footage and insight into each of the characters for this trailer that we did. And, yeah, we did get some funny looks, people walking past. We suddenly had to stop filming and um, allow someone to walk past with their suitcase, etc. But... (laughs) No, we had we had great fun. <laughs> and I, I just think when you when you're caught, you know, doing something like that, you are really bringing this art out to the people as well. And when you can see a trail in spaces that people will recognise, again, that adds something to that the whole experience. I think, doesn't it? Well, exactly. And and I think part of Birmingham Royal Valley's mission, being the touring company, the premier touring company, um, that is what we do. We do take ballet out to different people, and certainly for me part of that accessibility thing for Peter and the Wolf was to set it in the present day and so that the audiences that come and watch, you know, whether they connect to the characters or the fact that they're dressed like normal people and, you know, that it, again, it's, as you say, a setting that people will recognise and that will feel familiar, hopefully that, again, will give that connection from the audience to what's going on the stage um, before any dancing even starts. Well, we promised something that's going to be both visually stunning, uh, a great thing to, to listen to as well as see. Some amazing yeah. movement on stage. Ballet is absolute finest, and uh, I, I know you guys can live up to that. If you want to get your hands on tickets, grandtheatre.co.uk or give the box office a call on 01902 429212. Don't forget, there is a special gala evening, which is going to be opened by uh, Nick Owen and the, uh, the talk with David Bintley on one of the last chances to see him as he comes to the end of more than 20 years of the house of what is one of the country's most successful ballet companies. It is Birmingham Royal Ballet. Thank you for joining us, Ruth Brill. Pleasure. Hope you enjoy the show. In a moment or two, it's time. We'll be hearing from Sam Lambeth. Before we do, let's take us to one of his early bands. This is the Monobloggers. This is my face. This is my life. You can't bust on it.
Sam Lambeth is celebrating 10 years on Four Chords. There's a gig, there's an album, there's probably a novel as well, but who knows, anything could happen with him. He's with me now to tell me more about it. Hello, sir. Hello. So, uh, come on, what is going on? Because it's going to be a big gig, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so pretty much, um, as you know, 10 years ago, I did my first band, uh, The Monobloggers. Mm-hmm. And you were very kind. You were always very supportive. We came and did. You were always very good, though. So that, that well, that's the reason why. Thank you. And we came and did a few sessions with you, didn't we? Mm-hmm. You played us at the Molyneux, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, very much appreciated. Um, since then, I've been in two or three other bands. Uh, Quinn was another band that was going for a few years. Released a couple of records. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this year marked ten years um, since I've been in all those different bands. And um, I thought, you know, I'm always one for nostalgia. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to play some songs that I hadn't played for a number of years. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as many bands will tell you, when you, uh, well, band members will tell you, when you form a new band, um, you don't tend to play the songs from the previous band. It's all new, 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 and that's the way yeah. it works. It's very much a case of, you know, you go, you have a new look, new image, new style, and new songs. Yeah, and then you have a new look and image every three or four weeks, though. Yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of sticking with this one now. Okay. The, the, the goatee and the check look is, is it at the minute. Yeah, yeah, although someone today said it looked like I was wearing pyjamas. So. It's, it's, you know, a quality suit, so... Well, I, yeah, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, for example, when I was in Queen... I couldn't really play songs that I played in the monobloggers, which mm-hmm. was a shame because, you know, those songs went down quite well and um, got a bit of good feedback from those. And then in my last band, Winona, which sadly didn't last that long, um, again, couldn't play Quinn songs, couldn't play monoblogger songs. And uh, I had a bit of a nostalgic day a few months ago when I listened to the songs and I thought, it's a real shame I don't get to play those tracks anymore. And I just thought... If I can get you know the best of each band into one handy kind of set list, one stick ha- it under your own name and away you go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I thought that would be a way then to get it out there, show people you know the 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 best of what I had to offer, you know, <laughs> and, and, and hopefully. But this is this is only the first ten years. There is more to come. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I hadn't planned on living that long, but you know, you never know. <laughs> so the gig itself is on. Friday the twelfth of July. Tickets are on sale now via yeah. uh, C tickets mm-hmm. or. Feel free to come and message me. You know, I'll be more than happy to uh, sort you out with tickets. I mean, you have to pay, but I can I can point you in the right direction. Okay, you, you know. can sort that one out. Brilliant. <laughs> but I mean, this is this now under your name because previously on Facebook we searched for Quinn, the monoglot. Yeah. So how do we find you on these? Well, you've hit the nail on the head there, haven't you? Because that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do it as well. Because people will come up to me and go, oh, you know, I've heard you've been in bands. Obviously, this didn't happen very often, but the few times people would celebrity status. Come on. <laughs> but the, on the times when people say, oh, can I? Send me some of your music, you know, I'll, I'll listen to him. I was having to pinpoint them to Queen. I'd send them a couple of songs from Monobloggers. I'd go, oh, it's the latest one from Winona. And really, if you look at it, you know, from a business point of view, every time I had a new band, I was kind of diluting my brand, wasn't mm-hmm. I, you know? Um, I kind of wish in a way it could have been, I could have been the Monobloggers from start to finish or what have you. But yeah, so this time it's just Sam Lambeth, so... You know, if people type Sam Lambeth in Spotify, that best of is going to come up. Mm-hmm. Vice versa on Facebook, you know, and the things like that. So it's very much under my name. Not to discredit, of course, all the hard work that, you know, the mm-hmm. guys in Monobloggers did and the guys in Quinn did and whatnot, you know. They're going to, you know, I always highlight that these songs came from those bands, but, you know, yeah. And the album of your version of your own stuff from previous bands, I think I've more or less got that sorted. Yeah. Is it going to be available? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be on uh, Spotify, iTunes, things, all, all those kind of outlets. 
And again, that's another reason for doing it, that the monoblogger stuff, I think there was like two tracks on Spotify, which was, again, a real shame, you know, because mm. how people consume music these days is through Spotify. And I, it was actually a real test to get it on there because some of this monoblogger stuff, or I only had it on CD, mm-hmm. like a CD from 10 years ago. Most laptops these days don't have disk drives <laughs> or anything like that. So having to actually get it onto Spotify was an effort in itself. Um, but yes, it's going to be on Spotify and then iTunes and um, there's another one that people listen to. I, I can't remember what it's called. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere, yeah. Uh, and yeah. you're doing some stuff for charity alongside all of this as well. Yeah, so um, the gig, um, all the proceeds are going to go to Teenage Cancer Trust. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've, I've done bits and bobs with them, like with Quinn, the EPs, the profits went to them. and So it's a nice continuation, really. And I wanted to do it because... Obviously, on the surface, you look at it and think, oh, Sam Lambeth's doing a gig where he plays Sam Lambeth songs and he's also releasing the best stuff of Sam Lambeth music. Mm. To me, it's just I, I was really worried about doing it because I think people are going are to be thinking, that's so narcissistic, you know. No, you are. Well, yeah, but I don't want people to know that. Okay, it's a secret. Yeah. Well, I tell. And um, I thought, well, how can I, I guess how can I, make, how can I do it and feel good about it and feel like I'm, I'm doing something good? Uh, aside from you know the thrill I get from being back on stage and mm-hmm. playing music, and um, I thought to do it for charity would be really good because you know it's, uh, then it kind of gives the gig an extra kind of gravitas, an mm-hmm. extra reason to do it, and hopefully it will uh, raise a bit of money. And also we got uh, the guys from Not Normal, Not Okay. Um, they've been trying to stamp out sexual harassment at gigs, whether it's you know backstage, you know in the crowd, or it's involving the bands or the audience. And they've been doing a really, really good job and um, they're going to be coming along, kind of raising awareness and hopefully people might donate to them as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully it will be a gig where, you know, there's benefits for me in the sense I'm out the house and, <laughs> I get, I'm, I, and I'm getting to play music You're again. adored by your public, yeah? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'll both be there. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, hopefully, we'll raise some money. Okay, so yeah. sounds good. So where do people go to things? We've briefly mentioned some of the details, so give this is this is your information download now. Tell us all where you can get it all. Yeah, well, okay. First things first, the best of ten years on four chords. I don't know if you appreciate. That. I do, yeah, because <laughs> I think that's at least two more than I thought you could well, do. To be honest, I'm, but, I'm boasting really. Yeah, uh, that's going to be on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the rest of them from this coming Friday, which will be the twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, of May. I think it's the 24th, but we'll ride over that. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I don't even know myself. Is it Friday? That's yeah, important. yeah. Friday. And then uh, the actual gig is at Birmingham, Victoria. So it's fairly close to the train station, so hopefully it's convenient for people. And that's going to be on Friday, the 12th of July. Uh, got two great support bands, Bryony Williams, who you may or may not know. She's mm-hmm. from Wolverhampton. Yep. Extremely talented. Uh, really looking forward to sharing the stage with her again. And a chap called Paul Beaubont, who's from Wood and Nails, who are an excellent Birmingham band. I've never been able to gig with for some reason. And they finally work now. Finally, it's going to happen. And yeah, uh, Friday the 12th, Birmingham, Victoria. Tickets are on sale now. Type in Sam Lambeth, 10 years on four chords, and you'll find it. Yeah. It's five quid entry. Um, and again, it all goes to Teenage Cancer Trust. So, you know, it's a, hopefully a win win situation mm-hmm. for people, I hope. Fingers <laughs> crossed. So. Great stuff, great gig, it's going to be good. The music's fantastic, it's a top fella, go along and support him. Sam, thanks for having a chat. Thank you very much for having me yet again, it's very much appreciated. One, two, one, two, three, four.
Hello, it's me. I'm back again. I let myself in. Do you mind me being here? And yes, there's a lot to say. Don't look at me that way. It's been a long, hard year. I've been told no so many times It's lost all meaning It was true When I said I loved you It was true that I really do But that was the day And you've already gone away that was yesterday That was yesterday That was You're tired And I'm ashamed to let it be But I needed you love me and yes you stay silent but I won't stay too long before you let me belong I can't make you better when you've got no feelings it was true when I said I loved you, it was true that I really do. But that was the day, and you've already gone away. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Fantastic live tune from Sam there. We'll be hearing more from him as we head through the show. Orlando is at the Stafford Gatehouse on the 28th and the 29th of May. To tell us more about it, I'm joined now by Rebecca Vaughan. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Oh, very, very well. I'm currently touring the show in uh, New Zealand. 
So uh, I'm currently in the future, even by 11 hours. <laughs> that, that is quite weird and scary, but we will cope with that and uh, find out a little bit more about what you bring to the Stafford Gatehouse uh, literally days away after you get back. Absolutely. I've been to the, the Gatehouse with quite a few um, of uh, my previous shows. Um, uh, Austin's Women, Christmas Gothic, uh, Jane Eyre and Autobiographies, Time Machine, um, Dalway. Yeah, so we've been there. I think this, this might be like, our, I think, our eighth time um, that we've been at the Gatehouse. So really looking forward to coming back. Um, this is um, uh, an adaptation of a uh, Virginia Woolf novel, mm-hmm. um, Orlando. But it's uh, like, like a lot of our adaptations. It doesn't matter if you've if you've never seen it, you don't know, you've never read it, um, you, you, don't, you don't know the story at all. Um, or indeed, if you absolutely love it, <laughs> it's all fine. Um, it's, it's a wonderful um, uh, romp through 400 years of, um, of history through the eyes of this character, Orlando. Um, uh, but what it, it's it kind of really that the kind of big themes in it is is trying to find our place in the world. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and and uh, there's so much um, uh, in today's society, which is sort of telling us what we we should be with social media and things like this, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the perfect version of who you should be. And the play is really very much about actually just trying to find your own place. Um, and uh, there's there's yeah, there's, it, it's very fun. It's a really fun show. So how did this one come about? Because uh, obviously I, I, I'm, I'm seeing themes in some of the other stuff you mentioned, but uh, Orlando itself, I mean, what, what prompted you? What brought you to this? Both myself and the writer and director, uh, Elton Townend Jones, are huge uh, Virginia Woolf fans. And uh-huh. we did an adaptation of Mrs. Dick, uh quite a few years ago. And this, this particular... Um, novel had kind of been on the radar for a while um, and it, but it just also felt quite relevant um, there's a, a lot of um, there's elements in there about kind of mental health there's also elements about um, uh, gender and uh, sexual identity uh, and it suddenly felt like even though it was written in 1928 that it felt like so many of the themes were actually really relevant for 2019 um, and so we decided to kind of really bring those elements out and uh, and do an adaptation of it, which would be uh, tremendous amounts of fun and but really uplifting, but also really questioning of of the way in which we we perceive ourselves, I guess. So that said, though, is it a fun show? It's so much fun. It's a, it's a proper romp. Um, there's a lot of true, you know, pr- proper laugh out loud gags in it. The, it's not a sort of. Um, I think sometimes, especially when you're dealing with a couple of uh, important issues, the best way to deal with those sometimes is with humour. Um, so uh, it can be. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very fun show. <laughs> so with all this on stage, I mean, it, it is basically just you on stage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a solo show. Um, we've, uh, this is our, um, uh, with the company Dyer Productions, this is our 10th show, the nine of them are solo shows. Um, there's something really interesting about uh, doing a solo show because you are talking directly to the audience. There's no, you know, there's no audience participation <laughs> or anything like that, but it can certainly um, make it really fun for an audience because they feel really involved. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they're not just sort of passively watching watching a story unfold um, but even though it's just me we, we try to create a very um a very theatrical shows so we have a beautiful um uh, lighting plot and soundscape uh, bes- loads of bespoke costumes and uh, lovely set so it's not just a kind of one of those uh, solo shows that's just sort of a table and a chair kind of thing there's, <laughs> there's a lot to, to look at as well yeah it's a very it's a very beautiful show to look at so which part of the Stafford Gatehouse are you playing uh we're in the Met Studio which, um, which is amazing so, in itself uh, isn't it that's a great venue Oh, absolutely love it. There's something really lovely and intimate about it. And um, for a performer as well, I think the nice thing about um, seeing a show in, in a smaller space is that you get to see the kind of the, the, kind of the whites of the, uh, of the actor's eyes. Mm-hmm. But also as a, as a performer, 
you get to see the, the whites of the audience's eyes and you can really uh, engage with them and, and talk to them. And I absolutely love that venue. And the staff are so lovely there as well and, and get on really well with the tech team. And yeah, we always have a wonderful time at the Stafford Gatehouse. And, and we have, um, uh, we've kind of been building up an audience there. So it's really lovely to, uh, yeah, to come back again and again. So a fantastic one person show. On the stage, 28th and 29th of May. It's a Tuesday and a Wednesday, I think, isn't it? It absolutely is, yeah, 7.30. So make sure you get yourself along there. StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk is the website to get tickets or 01785 619080, their box office number. And people can find out more about you and your company online as well. Have you got a Facebook page? Absolutely. We're on Facebook. We're Dyad Productions. That's a D-Y-A-D Productions. We've got Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We've got a website, which is uh, just dyadproductions.com. Mm -hmm. um, yes, we're, all, we're all, all of the social media. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, great having a chat with you. Thank you for joining us from New Zealand. Have a safe journey back, and we look forward to seeing you back in the area when you're at the Stafford Gatehouse on the 28th and 29th of May. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting to you. I never thought All the best
From the 19th through to the 22nd of June, Warsaw Operatic Society returned to Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. They're there with Hello Dolly. There, Dolly, is Vicky Harding, who's with me now. Hello. Hello. So, uh, after the success of Sweeney Todd last year and the awards, plaudits, and the great time the audience has had, it must be fantastic to be back down there at the Grand. Absolutely, we're really looking forward to it and obviously bringing a completely different show this time um, but we were so excited that I think that shows the flexibility really you know variety with the, with the company um, there's such talent here and I think the chorus is singing is just fabulous and of course coming from something like Sweeney Todd to be doing a classic show <laughs> like this um, and the numbers are so well known um, it's absolutely fantastic we're all really excited about it. Yeah, It's going to be absolutely huge and obviously with all that you're doing there on stage uh, it's about the preparation and I know you've been working really hard and the production shots and the uh, the promo stuff you've been doing that's all been really fantastic too hasn't it? I know well yes. How good are the costumes looking? <laughs> the costumes are amazing we were really lucky this time to uh, to loan some costumes from Triple C um, who were providing the costumes for us and they, they provided some for some lovely photo shoots at the steam railway up at Stoke yeah. and and we had some lovely photo shots there it really took us back into the, into the period I think we all got really excited wearing the costumes and starting to feel the characters it was great so tell us a little bit about the show then where does it all start off okay so dolly um is the leading part and she's um play she's the matchmaker um in the town she she arranges all sorts of things but particularly relationships um and and that's how the story sort of unfolds really she's uh, she's trying to arrange the the second marriage of mm-hmm. mr horace van der gelder right. who lost his first wife and is looking to remarry um and and she's sort of manipulating that a little bit and <laughs> decides during the story that actually it might be quite nice if she arranged her own little marriage so the story evolves from there so <laughs> and there are various characters <laughs> that weave through it as well and <laughs> how did you approach this because you must have been number one chuffed to get the part oh. But equally, you know there's a, a big challenge to, to bring this to the quality that we expect from Warsaw Operatic. Absolutely. Really thrilled to be here. Uh, I'm actually reprising the role. Played mm-hmm. it 14 years ago with Warsaw Operatic, but in Litchfield. Yeah. Um, but coming back to it, I was saying, uh, I think with the production team being different, um, it's kind of lifted, it's given it a whole fresh approach. But coming back to it and trying to relearn, uh, 14 years older, <laughs> <laughs> it has been a challenge. Um, but the production Production team have really pushed us. I think. I mean, Ian, our, our MD, really expects high high things with the uh, with the singing out of us, and, and and sort of pushes us as far as he can with that. Um, so that already, I feel like we've come on quite a journey. Mm. Um, and our director and choreographer um, are really challenging us in terms of trying to bring a lot more energy. I think to the to the to the um, production this time. Um, I think with the Broadway revival that was came about a couple of years ago with Bette Midler mm-hmm. in it, of course. Um, that sort of refreshed things for uh, for people as well and I think looking at, at how that it did work as I think sometimes when you bring these classic shows back they're not quite as current they're not quite as up to date but I think they've really looked at bringing humour out in I mean now our director keeps saying it's more like a British farce and it's <laughs> set in America but but he's really brought the humour out and the pace of it is is fabulous it's so energetic the, the young cast that we've got in it but the other parts are absolutely amazing they're bringing so much energy to 
to the dance routines to the humour of it and it's and it's really exciting I, I think it's going to be a fabulous show so can we expect the same level of awards as we saw for Sweeney Todd oh I do hope so fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed absolutely well it, it's all coming along it starts the Wednesday matinee that is on the 19th of June runs right the way through until Saturday the 22nd 01902 42921 is a box office number or grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets go along check out all of the promotion stuff for this you'll absolutely love it some stuff on the Grand's page but certainly look for Warsaw Operatic on Facebook as well and go and check out everything that's going on but for now Ricky thanks for having a chat and we very much look forward to your hello Dolly thank you look forward to it who let you down who let you go who made this life so painful and slow Maybe I'm not the man My best friends became And all of my could've been's Become my hidden and shame I thought the fallen leaves came down Over my head And I still fought of you I felt the fallen leaves came down All withered and dead And I 
multi-award-winning play, Trimedica, was adapted for TV this spring. It is available on DVD now. To tell us more, the star of both the show and the stage play, David Say. Hello, sir. Hello. So give us a bit of a background for those who don't know the story on this one. Uh, the story is about a photojournalist, Lee Berger, who takes the seminal tank man of Tiananmen Square photograph back in 1989. And years later he sets out on a quest to track down his subject to try and find the tank man in his photograph. So his best friend uh, in Beijing, Zhang Lin, sends him on a, a kind of bit of a wild goose chase mm-hmm. to try and track down this guy who, according to Zhang Lin, has moved to New York. So the, the story takes place in China as well as in Beijing. Now, this whole story itself, it's based on these true facts from the 80s, but in the current uh, backdrop in Trump's America, this is uh, uh, an, an imagination. But it's it's not necessarily that far from what could really have happened. Yes, so, so the events of Tiananmen Square happened. The tank man stood in front of the tank. All these things really happened. Lee Berger is a fictitious character, but based on, you know, or inspired by the various photojournalists who, who, who I think there were, I can't remember, four or five different photojournalists who took that very famous photograph from the same hotel, mm-hmm. but from different angles. Um, and so the rest of the story is completely fictitious, but inspired by fact and set against the backdrop of uh, 2016, the contentious elections in America, and the rise of Trump and all his shenanigans. So, um, and, you know, his his kind of belittling of uh, journalism generally, uh, and his kind of crazy world of fake media, uh, fake news and so on. So the story is brought bang up to date, basically. And we had at that time, obviously, uh, a different set of politics making the headlines. But it does show us that uh, across the generations, we do tend to find there, there, there is a theme within the, uh, the, the politics and the media interaction and the way in which different regimes and governments across the world interact with the media. And I think yeah. it's something we need to stand up, and particularly in this internet age, when we think we're in a better position because of the immediacy of news these days, because it wouldn't it have been... I mean, that photograph would have been snapped on someone's uh, yeah, camera phone these days and sent halfway around the world. It wouldn't have been in the same way as those photojournalists would have captured it. No, absolutely. And I, I think what, what's interesting is that uh, the photograph taken by the photojournalist was on film, was on camera film. Mm-hmm. And Lee Berger, when he's taking photographs in Syria, he slices two digital photographs together. <laughs> Um, to you know, he he's still telling the truth um, that that uh, poor woman in Syria was shot by the soldier, uh, by one of the the yeah, presumably Assad regime, uh, one of his soldiers. But um, you know that particular photograph that he he sends to his newspaper is the truth, but not the entire truth because he sliced two photographs together. So that's what's interesting is that. What is true today and what can be manipulated uh, with digital technology um, is something that we've, we've all got to be wary of. So I, I guess the story is very, very much about how we stay truthful 
um, the lead character goes through this. He, you know, he's trying to 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 do good. He's trying to tell the truth, um, trying to get the world's attention through his work. He makes a terrible mistake as a photojournalist, uh, and he's sacked. And then he feels that if he can track down Tank Man, uh, this will be one way for him to get his job back, and it'll you know help help him regain his reputation i guess uh so he goes on this massive quest and he damages a lot of people's lives along the way so the lead character is a bit of an anti-hero mm-hmm. but, but the person that you really end up with really caring about is jung lin um who is lee burgess friend who sends him on this you know quest to track down tank man there's lots of twists and turns and you end up really sympathizing and caring very deeply for Jung Lin um, and the woman that he falls in love with and eventually marries Joy. You really care about that story, uh, whereas Lee Berger is kind of the device to bring us into the story, to take the, particularly the Western audience mm-hmm. into, a, into a different culture. But ultimately, the people you care about are the Chinese characters. You know that's a that's a great way to to cross cultural bridges, mm-hmm. um, and also the comparison with America is a is a fantastic way for people, I guess, not to always think that oh only only China is the scary authoritarian place, the the place where frightening things happen, where the government is slightly authoritarian and oppressive, but actually, you know, showing how. Trump started treating the media by banning journalists mm-hmm. from attending press certain pre- certain media he just banned from attending press conferences well how can you have a free democracy if you control the media in that way so you know it, it's a it's a brilliant look at both east and west authoritarianism and and anywhere in the world actually you know there are people in our own country now during brexit who are talking using quite far-right language, uh, both racist and fascist statements. And we, we need to be on, on the lookout, on guard for that, really. Mm-hmm. So it's a really a very relevant story of, you know, in our time. Absolutely. And not just about America and China, but also about the UK here and now. Yeah, whenever you hold up a mirror to society and politics in this way, I mean, there is there's so much we can learn from uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the way yeah, different interactions take place, and certainly it seems to be the case here. And uh, yeah. particularly as you're looking down the, uh, the the ethnic background of the characters and the way in which they're interacting, as you say, it is the the Chinese and and the position that they're, they're in that you you appreciate here, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know you get to see much more of this story than we could ever have imagined if, if it were the real tale and, and what had happened over mm. the years because there's probably been mm. quite a lot of, of suppression around what actually happened from those days mm. in Tiananmen. Yes, yes. So you, you get to see the Chinese characters' humanity and I think that's, that's really important. Uh, Humanise the people. You know, you may, you may criticise a one-party state, but that's politics, but actually the people themselves are rich, complex human beings who fall in love, who who grieve, you know, who have the same problems as you I might have in our daily lives in the in the West. And uh, it, it really humanizes uh, all the main 
writers, I think, and that, that's really important. Right, this is available now on DVD and as digital downloads. Certificate 15, it's been released by Acorn Media International. Chimerica, it's going to open a few minds and uh, raise appropriate questions, I think, as well. Thank you very much. Well, David, thank you for joining us. Thank you. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode 518 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.